Like I said, we're, we're in Ruth, uh, so the real quick recap, and I'm going to talk really, really fast here for a few minutes, so buckle up, uh, try not to fall off the ride because we're going to kind of pick it up and put them, pick them up and put them down here for just a minute. We're going to move pretty quick here for just a second, but Ruth is a, a book in the Old Testament, and it's not just about Ruth. Uh, there's a man in here named Boaz, and sometimes I think maybe this book should be called Boaz instead of being called Ruth, uh, but Here's what happens. Uh, there, there's a man and he gets, he's married to a woman named Naomi. And so they move away. Uh, they get out of God's will. God still loves them anyway. Uh, and uh, so uh, that man and his wife, Naomi, they have uh, a couple boys. The boys get married and then the father and both sons die. And so what's left is Naomi and her daughter-in-law named Ruth. And they go back to Bethlehem after a time of famine. And they're, I mean, they are just in a pit of despair. I mean, their lives have been ruined. They thought they had everything all planned out and now everything is falling apart. Things are happening for them that they never really wanted to happen. They never imagined that their lives will be marked by three funerals and no children and by famine and no food and no family. And so they, they, they come back and people go, well, what are you doing here? And they feel like they're kind of outcasts and nobody wants anything to do with them because they're foreigners and they're aliens. And one of them is, is a Moabite. And that means that, you know, God has said that the, the Moabite people were very um, rebellious and hard-hearted toward him. And, but this one Moabite woman, Ruth, has realized that God is the God of the universe and she's begun a relationship with God. And so things have changed for her and she has a new perspective. And so she goes back and, and they don't know what God's gonna do. I mean, things are really hard and difficult and they're scared and they're afraid. What's next? All right, where are they gonna get food? Where are they gonna live? What's gonna happen to them? Because they got nothing, right? And so, she, so through a set of circumstances, God's timing, you ought to read through it in Ruth chapter two. Uh, the meet, uh, she meets this man named Boaz and Boaz is just this, uh, a worthy man, it says. And so we find out in Ruth chapter three that after they have a date, that uh, Ruth is also a worthy woman. And uh, meaning that uh, you look at her and there's something different about her and there's something substantial about her. There's some integrity and some character to her. And, and they have this opportunity, both of them, to do something that's immoral and another opportunity to do something that's unethical. But they choose no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to honor God because he's a worthy man and she's a worthy woman. And so, uh, and it ends up that Ruth, and this is unprecedented. This is weird. This doesn't happen in the ancient world. This is about 1,000 BC. And what happens is she basically says to Boaz, says, hey, listen, if you'll ask me to marry you, I'll say yes. And so he says, okay, but I've got to talk to somebody else first because it may be that somebody else could redeem you before me. And we talked about that a lot last week. So that's where we are in Ruth chapter four. So everything is still up in the air. Everything is still what's going to happen. How are things going to work out? Still a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. They're in a fog, right? I mean, Ruth is still like, hey, what's going to happen? Naomi is what's going to happen? Boaz is, is what's going to happen? Because everything is left up in there, but they determine they're going to follow God. And so just like we are today, a lot of us, we feel like we're in a fog and we don't know what's going to happen. And, and how much longer are we going to have to wait? And, and by the way, you know, Scripture tells us that love is patient. And so one of the most loving things that we can do right now is to be patient. It says love is patient and kind and does not seek its own. And, and right now is a good time for us to be patient and demonstrate to people around us that we love them. 
by not being in a rush to get back to the rush. Uh, God is working. God is doing things. I hear stories every day of how God is redeeming this time and is doing things in this time uh, that, that we're all walking through. This, this fog, this hard, difficult, what's next? What does day after tomorrow look like? All that stuff is going on right now. And that's what's going on with Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. So uh, let's look at, uh, at the first verse in Ruth chapter four. All right, so here we go. We're gonna go fast. It says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate, talking about the gate of the city and sat down there. And behold, look, God just sends this guy right along at the right time. The redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So there's the guy who's there. Now notice, we never know this guy's name. We'll just call him Mr. Let's just call him Bubba Earl. Let's just call him that. All right. Uh, so I just gave him a really bad name, but whatever. Uh, and so, so Boaz gets Bubba Earl to go with him. And he's got 10 men of the elders of the city. He says, sit down here. So he sat down because he wanted there to be a witness of what was going on. So he's not just saying, hey, here, I'm doing something here because he still is trusting God to take care of the situation. Even though he's really up in the air, he's still walking through the fog. Then he said to the redeemer, Bubba Earl, the other person who could say, you know what? You're not going to have Ruth. I'm going to have Ruth. Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. So he said, who's Elimelech? Well, that was Naomi's husband. So he, was, he died. There were no heirs. And so everything is kind of falling apart. And that's where they begin to think, oh, this is not working out for me. And, and Naomi gets so angry about it. She says, she's changing her name to Mara, meaning I am a bitter old woman. And when she says, hey, I'm a bitter old woman, I mean, she really means it. And you read back in Ruth and you see some of this uh, that happens. And so, uh, but uh, her husband, uh, Elimelech, had owned a piece of land and said, so here's the deal. I'm going to buy that land because I have uh, opportunity to do it. Uh, so that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, he says to this guy, Mr. So-and-so Bubba Earl, he says, so I thought I would tell you of it and say, bide in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. Like if you want it, get it. If, if you're not going to, let me know. <clears throat> because ethically, he had to give this guy first opportunity, even though he could have just kept all this to himself and just gotten all this without telling anybody. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. He says, you're first in line and I come after you. So I'm second in line. So if you don't want to do it, I'm calling dibs. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, so he's put a little thought into this, right? He's not just saying everything all at one time. He says, oh, and by the way, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire not Ruth, not this person who's been helping me in my fields, but you require, and what, what does he do? He wants, wants, her, wants the other redeemer, Bubba Earl, Mr. So-and-so, wants him to realize that Ruth is a Moabite, that she is what he would consider an outcast, the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So you get the land, but you also you get Ruth, and there's a responsibility to take care of her, and she's outcast. Why? Nobody wants to take care of her, right? Then the Redeemer said, I, 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 uh, <clears throat> you know, he's kind of shuffling his feet, kind of going, uh, trying to find excuses. I, 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 I cannot redeem it for myself, uh, lest I impair my own inheritance. This is going to, no, I, I was all about this, you know, getting a little piece of land, but 
uh, no. There's other stuff and being responsible for somebody and somebody who uh, is a Moabite. No, I, I don't think so. He says, take my right of redemption yourself for I cannot redeem it. Now, now this was the custom uh, in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. Because this other guy, Mr. So-and-so, Bob Earls decided not to do this. He says, uh, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, Boaz took off his sandal. And then Boaz said to all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Limelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon, which were his two sons that had also died. Also, Ruth the Moabite, Again, he's, he's saying, look, this is not just Ruth. This is something significant here. She's some, somebody that nobody wants anything to do with. And part of what he's doing, he's saying, look, I know you think that she is outcast and untouchable, and, but you know what? God loves her too. And so many times we hang a label on somebody and say, well, I don't know that I want to be involved with them because that's going to be hard or difficult. But that shouldn't be what precludes us from having a relationship with somebody and, and sharing who God is with them, right? He's also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. Uh, and by the way, that name means sick. That was a nice name, right? I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. He says, you are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. And then, and then they, they, they pray this over Boaz and Ruth. He says, they pray, may the Lord make the woman, talking about Ruth, Make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. And so they, they pray this blessing on them. And they say, may you act worthily in Ephrathath. And we think that's the ancient name for Bethlehem. And be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. I don't have time to talk about the role that Tamar has in all this today, but you ought to look it up later. And say, hey, what happened with, with Judah and Tamar and how did God work in that situation, in a ruined situation, bring redemption, bring restoration? Because that's the story of the Bible. I mean, over and over and over again, that's what happens in the Bible. Things fall apart. You're like, oh God, can't get any worse. And you get to a point where you feel like I'm just going to break and God steps in and goes, hey, look right here. I got something for you right here, better than you ever imagined. It's right here. Because God is always plotting for our restoration. He's always planning. He's always saying, hey, here I am. So it says, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. We had a whole chapter on a little date over lunch. And in one verse, they, here's what happened. They get married, uh, they uh, get pregnant and they have a baby in one verse. I mean, that's amazing. All, all this other detail about dates, but apparently there was a wedding and a celebration and now there's a baby. And it says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Now, why did I put, go back to Ruth chapter one there for just a minute? Because it says that the Lord had given her a son. 
right? And then in Ruth chapter 1, the next verse, it says that, back up one more to Ruth 1, 6, and had, get, and had visited his people and had given them food. The Lord's a provider over and over again. God is our provider. We see that over and over and over again. Then the woman, the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. And so they, 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 they pray a blessing over this baby. And this baby is also going to be able to be a redeemer for his family. It says, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, but your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. This is an incredible blessing. And your daughter is even better than having seven sons, which is seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. Listen, it doesn't get any better than this. And I don't quite understand this. Uh, uh, It says, um, let's do the next slide. I'm sorry. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And so we don't even hear anything about Ruth. It's like grandmother shows up. You ever had this happen? You have a baby and grandparents are like, I'll take the baby. Because I'm just telling you, if I haven't, you haven't had that happen yet, I'm just telling you. When we had our first child, I was scared to death about coming home and saying, you know, which, which grandparent are we going to hand the baby to first? I kept telling my wife, Lori, we'll just lay Josh in the middle of the floor and let them fight it out. Uh, because your grandparents and grandbabies are kind of like, Whoa! so whole different story there. But anyway, this next verse, I don't quite understand. This is kind of interesting. Verse 17, it says, and the women of the neighborhood, not mom, <laughs> but the women of the neighborhood, I tell you what, let's give this baby a name. They gave him a name saying a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. I love that name. You know what Obed means? Worship. And it says, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Wait a minute. Wait. Boaz? His mother was Rahab. You should look that up. And Ruth was a Moabite? Hang on a minute. Obed later on has a baby named Jesse? And he's the father of David, like as in King David. Do you think, I mean, God would allow people with that kind of background into the line of David, the king? God would love people even though they have a sordid past, even though they've done terrible, unspeakable things. God would love somebody, would show his unconditional love to somebody to such an extent and say, look, I'm going to put you in the line of King David. I mean, just marinate on that a little bit, would you? It says, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. He says, look, I'm just going to line it out for you. Here it is. And so there's this word that we keep tripping across this morning, redeem. Redeem. What what, what is a redeemer? Uh, Sometimes it's referred to as a kinsman redeemer. We talked about that the first week, that they had to be part of the clan. 
not brothers and sisters, cousins, but part of the clan of people who were redeemers. Now, the word redeem means this. It means to set free by paying a price. And so a, a, a redeemer must have three things. Uh, re- redeemers must have the right to redeem. Uh, redeemer must have the resources to redeem. So you, you, you've got to, to be related. You've got to be a kinsman. You've got to be part of the family somehow, uh, of this larger family of people, not talking about nuclear family, but talking about people who are, uh, connected to one another. You've got to have the resources. Well, I'll, yes, I will take care of the people that I'm going to redeem. And you also have got to have the resolve, the willingness to do it. Because, and we see that Boaz had the right and he had the resources and he had the resolve. Um, Mr. So-and-so, Bubba Earl, had the right. He did not have the resources. He did not have the resolve. So Obed steps in here. And so what's the big deal about Obed? Well, it, it says that he is a, a blessing for Naomi. Now, what is She's holding this little baby on her lap. So, so what does Obed teach here? It, what, what is he teaching Naomi? That, that, look, you thought that everything was all about death and destruction. And that you felt like that God had forgotten you. And he says, but instead, God gives life. She felt cursed because things in her world were not going the way that she wanted them to. See, she needed food and she needed family. And so she got both. She got food and family. And she, Naomi thought that she was cursed, but instead she's blessed. She changed her name to Mara. I'm a bitter old woman. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Don't call me that anymore. And she finds in Obed that God brings joy if you'll say no to the bitterness. You find that she comes and she says, I'm empty. God has taken everything from me. And she realizes the truth that no, she is full that God's given her more than she could ever imagine. And she was anxious, worried, concerned. What am I going to do? Despair. And she finds hope. And, 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 you know, and there are a lot of us right now. That's where we are. We are really anxious, despairing. Hey, what's going to happen? Oh, my goodness, this is hard. These times are difficult. The the stories that we hear are awful. And and we feel despair. We feel anxious. You know, the the antidote for anxiety is hope. And she kept dwelling on the bad. And then she realized that there is hope in God. That's where we can be, right? And, and see, and you say, oh, this is great. So Obed is, uh, is the grandfather of David and um, uh, Ruth is the great grandmother uh, of, of David. But, well, that's good. But let me show you, it, it doesn't stop there, right? So over in Matthew uh, chapter one, 
It says, remember we talked, Simon just a minute ago, we're not going to read all this because it's a long lineology in Matthew chapter 1. And Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. Now, we just read that. So then you skip down a few verses, read the rest of Matthew chapter 1 if you want to, and down verse 16, it keeps going, and this, this was the father, and this was the father, and this was the father. And then it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Are, I mean, do you see in this that these people who were so outcast, who were far from God, who had disobeyed God, run away from God, they are in the lineage of Jesus. Why would God pick them? Why? Why, why, why would he do that? And, 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 and so we, we see that as we walk through this, that Jesus became like us. And, and so Jesus becomes like us. So Jesus can be our redeemer. So the, the story that we see in Ruth is the story of the Bible that, that we have a need and we're hopelessly lost and we're in the dark and we need light. And Jesus steps in and helps us. He redeems us. And just as Boaz redeemed Ruth. And so you, so you got to ask the question, if he's like us, does he have the rights? Yes, absolutely he's got the rights. Does he have the resources? Yeah, I mean, yes, are you kidding me? Does he have the resources? I mean, the, the, he, he, is, uh, he is God in the bod. He is Jesus come here to be our kinsman redeemer. Does, does he have what it takes? Is he ever gonna be short of the things that, that, that he needs to, to save us and to redeem us? No. Does he have the resolve? Absolutely. Absolutely he has the resolve. Listen, he had the resolve and the resources. He, he, he had, he had the, 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 the resources. Look, when, when he tells, tells somebody, get out of the water and out of the boat and walk over here to me. He's got the resources. When he says, listen, this girl right here, she was dead. She, he says, rise up, Lazarus, you're dead. Come out of the tomb. The, this blind man, I'm going to heal you. This deaf man, you're going to be able to hear. And he, one thing after another, after another, does he have the resources? Yes. Does he have the resolve? Are you kidding me? Yes. He voluntarily laid himself out on a cross. He's not a coward. He's not a wuss. But he says, I'm laying myself out on the cross for you. And his, his head was pierced. His side was pierced. His wrist and his feet were pierced as he was nailed to the cross. He was beaten. And at any point he could say, now you know what? Enough. I'm not doing this anymore. Did he have the resources? Yes, because he died for your sin and for my sin and so that we might have eternal life. Two weeks we're celebrating this. He came out of the grave, resurrected, changed, transformed, eternal life. Does he have resources? Yes. Does he have resolve? Absolutely. Absolutely he does. And, and, and you look, and it's not just this one person. And I don't have time to talk about this today. But, but you look, at, and in that lineage, in Matthew chapter 1, you see this over and over again. You see there's four women there. And Bathsheba, her name is not even mentioned. It's the wife of Uriah the Hittite is how she's referred to. But there's four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. You ought to look these names up. You want something to study this week? Say, what did they do? And see how God said, I'm going to bring you into my family. It doesn't matter what you have done. Because see, the truth is, is by the grace of God, just like Ruth, we were all in our father's field.
And was it his right to say, get out of my field? Yes. Was there anything attractive about us? No, not one single thing was attractive about us. There was nothing that made him go, you know what? You're so compelling. I just want to be around you. No, he chose to love you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you said, no matter where you were, no matter how many times it happened, he loves you. We're gonna talk about that a lot next Sunday. And, 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 and so Jesus alone is able to guarantee the promise of our restoration. It, it, it's not only does he have the, the right and the resources and the resolve, he also is the only person that can guarantee the promise of our restoration, not for a moment, but for eternity. So no matter how bad things are right now, no matter how difficult things might be, no matter how hard the struggle, no, no matter the, the anxiety, the waking up in the middle of the night, the getting up in the morning and go, well, what am I going to do today? No, no matter what's going on with that, he says, look, I have got you. I've got you for forever, for forever. And let me tell you something, in the light of eternity, a few weeks or a couple months are going to seem as not even a blip on the radar because of the goodness of our God. So we, we, we know that we see this over and over again in, in Ruth that, that God provides for his people. That, that, that's what he does. And, and because of that, we, we can trust him in the worst of times. We, we, we can trust him when things are not going the way that we want them to. We can still trust him. And every setback we face, God is plotting for our good. He says, look, I'm right here. Just come with me. Just come with me. Just come with me. Come on, come on. And when things get difficult, you know what? Who, where is he? He is right there with you. When you are walking through the valley, you are not alone. And you go, but, 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 Arthur, but look, I, I hear you. I know that he loves me. He wants to provide for me, take care of me. I, I hear all these things, but God, what about my sin? Doesn't he hold that against me? I mean, what, what about our sin? What, what, what about our sin? Look, this is, it's like, wait, what about this guy? Because, I mean, uh, didn't, you know, this whole thing started with Elimelech leaving and, and, and being disobedient to what God was telling him to do. What about our sin? This is so huge. Sin from your past does not dispel hope for your future. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you looked at online. I don't care what you were thinking about Thursday night. I don't care what you did a few weeks ago or 15 years ago. God forgives. You know, and, and the thing is, is because our sin doesn't ruin our future, we can trust him in the worst of times, no matter what we've done. We can trust God in the worst of times because the best of times are yet to come. So Arthur, you don't know that. Yeah, actually I do. I do. And is, is the best of time, is that three weeks from tomorrow when the stock market goes up, you know, another 5,000 points? I don't know. Is, is it going to be better by August? I mean, are we going to be able to watch college football or not? Are, are we going, what's Christmas going to look like this year? Look, I, 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 I don't know that. But, but I, I do know that we can trust him in the worst of times because the best of times are yet to come. Because you know what? If you're a Christ follower, 
this time you spend on earth is as much hell as you'll ever have to see. If you're not a Christ follower, this is as good as it ever gets until you become a Christ follower and you spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. At that point, things are good and they're good for forever. So God provides for his peoples, for his people, and God pursues all peoples. And there's an S on that for a reason, because God pursues everybody, not just the ones who look right, smell right, walk right, say the right things at the right times, have the right connections, have the good job. No, God pursues all peoples. And so you have to say, well, look, if Jesus is the redeemer, what is our role with these other people? Well, our role is that we can go and tell them, look, things have been hard for you, difficult for you. Here's what you can do. You could come into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. That's what you could do. And so we have the role because Jesus is in us of helping lead people to be redeemed by Jesus. So, and so Arthur, if we're going to be redeemers, I mean, we have to meet the qualifications, right? I mean, so yeah, so first of all, we, we, we have the right. Yeah, I mean, we have the right because we are, we are in Christ. He is in us and we are in Christ. And so we, he is our redeemer and everyone on the planet is part of our clan. And so can we help redeem people, lead them to this relationship with Jesus? Absolutely, we've got the right. We've got the resources. I mean, we can do it. I mean, we've got buildings, we've got online technology. I mean, we've got stuff. We have more clothes than we know what to do with. We have houses that are humongous that a hundred years ago, nobody would have imagined living in a house like this unless your first name was spelled K-I-N-G. Big houses just didn't exist. You've got multiple cars. We've got all kinds of resources. We, so we've got the right. We have the resources. The question is, is, do we have the resolve? Do we have the resolve? Do you have the courage? Are you willing to believe that God is who he says he is so that you can reach out, step into the lives of people around you with courage determination, resolve, and point them to Jesus. Because here's, here's the big, here's the deal right here. Look, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, they had no idea the role they would play in history. There is so much more, so much more that God has for us. And who knows if you'd be obedient. See, what, if, what if, if Ruth had said, you know what, I'm not gonna go out in that field and pick up uh, these spare pieces of wheat and barley. What, what if Naomi had said, tell you what, Ruth, you're not going back with me. What, what if Boaz had said, tell you what, I don't have anything to do with people who are not like me. What, what if that had happened? See, when you're obedient, you never know you never know what role you're going to play in history. Because it turns out, y'all, we were created for something greater than football and food and 401ks. This is not what life is all about. You know, it, it, it's real easy to trust God during times of adversity. But in times of prosperity, 
it's hard to trust God. Because you think, I got it all taken care of. I'm okay right now. Everybody wants to be God's friend during times of adversity. The mark of a growing believer is during times of prosperity. Do you stay with him during those prosperous times? Because here's what's going on right now. For every single one of us watching this, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. Maybe you saw this happen a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago. Maybe you'll see this happen sometime in your future. But out of our despair, God will bring about something better than you ever imagined. Naomi never imagined she'd have a little grandbaby named Obed. Ruth never imagined she'd have a husband again. Boaz never imagined he'd be married. They never thought they would be the grandparents of King David and the great, 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 great grandparents of Jesus. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. And what you do is going to determine your legacy. And it ought to be important to you. It ought to be something that you think about. What will your virus legacy be? Are are you the person who retreated to yourself, kept everything quiet, didn't say a word to anybody? Or are you sacrificial? Were you generous? Were you loving? Were you kind? Were you patient? Were you compassionate? Were you listening? Were you looking? So if you're married, husbands, wives, y'all talk about that today. Hey, what's my legacy for these weeks of social distancing? What's my legacy going to look like? Did I lean hard into Jesus or did I say, I can wait this out? So I I got a few more questions for you to think about, okay? And and a a couple things here real quickly. First, God pursues all peoples. And so if you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, and maybe right now I'm talking and your pulse rate is picking up just a little bit and your hands are getting a little bit sweaty and you're kind of looking at the floor and you're thinking, I should just turn this off. Don't you dare. But right now, it may be that God is calling you out of the darkness and into the light and you need to give your life to Jesus right now because he's calling to you. And there's another question down here. So if you're, if you're a Christ follower, I want you to read this passage of scripture later on. And these questions will be on our social media pages later today as well. But it says, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Not just during the virus, not just during the coronavirus season that we're in, but what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind in these days? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we trust you. Thank you that you lead us through the fog, that you are our provider. You're committed to providing for us. You're committed to pursuing us. I pray that we would walk with you and we trust you. I pray we'd be very grateful to you. And Lord, I pray for those today who don't know you. I pray that they put their faith in you for the first time. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray.